welcome to another episode of Audie's Oddities. As always, my name is Audie and I'm here to tell you about the spooky and scary shit happening in our world. I've had a sleepy week, you guys. I don't know about you, but I'm tired. (laughs) But it's fine. Today is Thursday. We're almost to the weekend where we can all relax. Unless you're a bartender, in which I apologize, but thank you for your work. This weekend, I'm actually getting together with some friends to watch the movie Anastasia for the first time. Believe it or not, I have never seen it. And it's two of my friends' favorite movies from when they were a kid, so I have to watch it. So if you've ever seen that, please let me know. Or if you have a favorite childhood movie that you want me to watch, maybe I'll watch it. Send it my way. But let's go ahead and get into this. I'm going to start off this episode by saying huge trigger warning. Now, as always, I am talking about spooky and scary shit on this podcast, but specifically today, there is some triggering things we are going to be talking about. This case in particular involves torture, rape, and several other really fucked up things. So if you are sensitive to any of those things, please feel free, skip ahead to next week, or go back and listen to an old episode. I promise I will bring something a little more lighthearted next time. But it can't be that lighthearted on this podcast considering what I do here, but just a fair warning. Today we are going to be talking about the kidnapping, torture, and death of Fan Man Yi. Now this case is most iconically known as the Hello Kitty murder case. We will get into the reason why it's known as that a little bit later, but you know me on this podcast. I love saying the names. I love the name to be the main thing rather than the Hello Kitty murder. So Fan Man Yi was born in 1976 and she was only 23 at the time of her death. That's so scary to think about, especially as someone who is currently 23 years old. I couldn't imagine this being my end. Fan Man Yi was raised in an orphanage until the age of 15 when she was told to leave because she had aged out of the orphanage. I'm not sure if 15 is the age-restricted limit in all of Hong Kong or if it was just this orphanage, but if you do know the answer to that, please let me know. I think that's a very interesting piece of fact to know. So being only a child when she was thrown out of this orphanage, she was homeless and addicted to drugs, which led her to sex work until she was 21. And at 21, she started working at a brothel named Romance Villa. Why do brothels always have to have this, like, fancy name as if what's going on inside isn't awful? And listen, I'm not sitting here saying that sex work is awful, but I'm saying that things like brothels, where you are forced more than likely, is awful. So in 1996, she eventually married one of her clients who was a fellow drug addict. She ended up getting pregnant and giving birth to a son only two years later in November of 1998. And it quickly came out that her husband at the time was very abusive. There were multiple reported fights from neighbors and sounds of children crying. But thankfully, for the child's sake, when Fawn got pregnant, she decided to turn her life around for the good of her child. And good on her for that. That's incredible. Of course, I wish that you could have just done it for yourself, but the fact that you did it regardless is amazing and anybody else who's struggling in any regard and decides to turn their life around give yourself a pat on the back so she stopped sex working and she started working at a nightclub called the empress karaoke club now i'm not sure what her job was there i couldn't find anything on it so she could have been a bartender she could have been like a go-go dancer no idea and no go-go dancers are not the same thing as strippers look it up not that either are wrong but look it up 
I will say, though, whenever I think of go-go dancers, I immediately think of Daphne from the Scooby-Doo movies. I don't know why. I think it's just her boots. Shortly before the end of her life, she actually left her abusive husband, and due to leaving him, she was left with a big struggle with money. So now we're going to jump over to a complete piece of shit. His name is Chan Man Enoke. He was 33 years old when he was involved in one of the oldest crime rings in Hong Kong. He was one of those guys that from birth just seems like he was an asshole. Literally, they talk about in middle school, he already had awful behaviors. He was that kid in school that would like pull the girl's hair or snap her bra strap or whatever. And in 1991, he was convicted of drug trafficking. And by 1999, he had become a regular of Fawn's. So because Fawn was off of drugs and trying to care for her toddler on her own, she decided to make not the best decisions. Fawn decided to steal Chan's wallet, and inside of it had the equivalent to about $500 in U.S. money. So when Chan realized she stole it, being the awful person he is, he quickly told her that she not only had to pay him back, but she had to pay him back with interest. So when she came back only a few days later with the amount she had stolen from him, he wanted over $1,000 more. So he wanted over double of what she actually took. So almost immediately, she returned the initial money, but she needed time to get the rest of the money for him. But I guess he's an inpatient asshole who didn't want to wait, because on March 17th of 1999, Fawn was abducted by three men and one girl inside her apartment. Now, you know we're always here to blast the shittery of assholes, so here are the names and ages of all these pieces of shit. The three men consisted of Chan, who we already talked about, who was 33 at the time, 21-year-old Liang Wang Lu, and 26-year-old Liang Xingchu. So yes, we have two Liangs here. I'll probably just say their last names to make it a little bit easier. But let's be completely realistic. I'm probably just going to refer to them as pieces of shit or asshole. So can we just have like maybe asshole one and asshole two? That cool with everybody? Awesome. So asshole number two, the 26-year-old, he also had a 14-year-old woman with him. And he was grooming her, obviously. They say that he was grooming her, but I don't like that term. Grooming is what I think of when it's like a girl on kick and some random 40-year-old man is trying to talk to her and trying to make her seem older or whatever. This is full on, you are with a 14-year-old girl. That is not okay. You are fucked up. And I just don't see how nobody thought that was a problem. I'm sure over there, it's different laws that I don't know about. I'm probably just being ignorant. I don't know. But no matter what, I'm sorry. I don't, just don't date children. Is that so much to ask? Could we just not date children? I feel like I'm not asking a lot here. I'm not asking for world peace. I am simply asking for people to not be attracted to children. Ugh. Anyway, the 14-year-old's name is Lu Mingfeng. And I feel for this poor girl because she had to witness everything that happened to Fawn. Don't get me wrong. I feel the worst for Fawn considering everything she went through and she died. But this 14-year-old girl witnessed everything. We'll we'll get into it because I'm getting angry. Also, I don't remember if I said this at the top of the episode. So if I didn't, I'm going to leave it in now. Obviously, we're in Hong Kong. Obviously, these are Asian names. If I'm mispronouncing anything, I am so sorry. I am, I just, I can't read English, let alone other languages. Languages? See, that was an example. Languages? So I'm trying my hardest. Just know that 
if I mispronounce a name, it is in no way hateful. I promise I am trying my hardest. I just, I struggle, you guys, okay? I struggle. Anyway, moving on. According to different resources, both of the men who were helping Chan, you know, Dick 1 and Dick 2, I think that's more fun than Thing 1 and Thing 2. They both were just retail workers before this. I think I found maybe one or two articles that nodded to them also being in the crime ring, but otherwise, these seem like pretty normal dudes, which makes this all the more terrifying. So this group took her to a different apartment and kept her captive for a month. Yes, I said a month. This apartment that she was held captive in was being rented out by Chan, but it was under a secret name or something, so nobody found out it was him for a while. So, huge trigger warning, Chan's plan was to keep her captive in this apartment and sell, basically, tickets into the apartment. And that's how he made back his money. Obviously, I put that in some layman's terms. I don't feel the need to put it in any other way. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sorry. You know what? Maybe I'm not sorry because maybe you haven't been traumatized enough to where you just know what that means. And if you haven't been traumatized enough, leave. Just leave this podcast. Allow yourself to continue to not know anything. Live your happy life because I have been depressed ever since I learned about things like this. Can you tell Audie's a little heated this episode? Because I think you can tell. Uh, So during this month that she was held captive, she was beaten and raped multiple times. And I want to get into the severity of this. So if this is going to hurt you in any way, please just skip ahead, maybe like 20, 30 seconds. But I want you to understand the things that they did to this woman, because I hate that this case is just the Hello Kitty murder because of what they did with her remains. We are forgetting what happened to this woman for the month that she was held captive and alive. And personally, I feel that that is so much more important than the bizarreness that her remains were left in. So some of the things that Fawn endured while being held captive was being beat with metal bars. Sometimes she would be hung up by her hands and used like a punching bag. On one occasion, she was kicked in the head around 50 times. They were rubbing spices into the wounds that they gave her. Her legs and feet had been burned with candles and hot plastic so severely to the point that she couldn't walk. And they also forced Fawn to consume human bodily fluids. I'm sure I don't need to tell you which ones. And to make this just all the worse, this piece of shit would stand over her doing these horrendous, horrific horror movie-esque things to her and would force her to smile through the pain and claim that she enjoyed it. And if she didn't, then her beatings would be a thousand times harsher. So everyone just take a deep breath because oh my fucking god, it pains me to read these things to you. It pains me to have to put this out into the world, but I know that it needs to be because we need to understand that these things are still happening to people. And I could go on about that for a very long time, so I won't. You know that there was an emotion in that very because my voice cracked and I am leaving it in. So eventually around April 14th or 15th, Fawn succumbed to her injuries. She died from traumatic shock. So different sources say different things. 
Some people think that she died overnight while the captors weren't there. Some people think that she died in front of them. Nobody really knows for sure. What we do know for sure is that when her body was discovered by this group of awful men, that they decapitated her body and boiled the remains. Her skull was then placed inside of a Hello Kitty mermaid stuffed toy along with dead insects as the stuffing. The rest of Fawn's body was discarded throughout several different dumpsters within Hong Kong. Can I just, can I, I don't normally say this, but can I have a damn drink? Oh my god. They really not only wanted to make her feel so much pain in life, but even in death, they wanted to still hurt her by placing her head inside of that with dead insects. I mean, just like, how fucked up do you have to be? Like, I really hope when these men pass away, they are just treated with the utmost disrespect that could possibly come out of a human. And I don't say that often, but you know what? I think it's warranted here. After all of her body had been scattered across Hong Kong, they only recovered her skull, one tooth, and a few internal organs that were found inside a plastic bag. And they only found this because Lou, the 14-year-old girl, came forward to police only a month or two later and said what she had witnessed. And I give so much props to this girl. I cannot imagine, one, being that young, two, being in that situation, three, coming forward about it, and four, coming forward about it knowing that you are somewhat involved in this crime ring, whether you like it or not. So more than likely, this girl went to the police fully knowing that her telling them about Fawn could definitely mean she would end up in the same situation as Fawn. So I give her just the utmost props. I just, oh, I love her. Incredible human. On May 24th is when Lou led the police to the remains. So I'm guessing she led them to the Hello Kitty doll because the other remains were eventually found in three different city dumpsters. So I'm not sure if she pointed them to the dumpsters or if just to the doll. So almost immediately, Chan was arrested. Fuck yeah. Oh, and the poor piece of shit was living with his wife and newborn baby at the time. So thank God we got him out of that child's life. And on May 28th of 1999, the apartment, both his and the one that Fawn was held in, were both raided in the early hours of May 28th. So after seeing the murder in the news, Dick Wan fled to China but was quickly caught by police in February of 2000. And they found him after irregularities were found inside of his passport. Only three days after his arrest, he was sent back to Hong Kong from China for his trial. Fawn's skull was identified on June 3rd after using overlapping images to concur that it was hers. Because remember, this is early 2000s, so we didn't have quite as advanced technology that we have today. On December 7th of 2000, almost two years after Fawn's murder, all three men were convicted of manslaughter on a three to six vote. How anyone could think that they didn't do this, I don't understand. Apparently, the jury claimed that there wasn't enough evidence to know if she was murdered or just died of an overdose, which is, mm, listen, just because somebody is an addict or has a problem like that does not mean that that is always the cause of death, especially when her body was dismembered like this and placed into this Hello Kitty stuffed animal. I mean, 
Really think about that. You think that somebody's going to find someone who just died of an overdose and decide to do something that fucked up? Even if you did think that you were going to be caught or something like that and be a suspect for the murder, I would much rather be a suspect for a murder that I know I didn't commit than actually dismembering somebody, placing their skull inside a stuffed animal with dead bugs, and then driving around the city to distribute the rest of the body in random trash cans. Which one would you pick? So eventually, the jury couldn't rule that the men killed her, but they definitely said that she died from their abuse. So they end up getting manslaughter and not murder. Ah! I'm sorry if you were listening to this in headphones. I just need you to understand how fucking mad I am about this. Also, in case you were wondering, Lua, the 14-year-old girl, did testify at this trial in exchange for immunity. So she's fine. So during the trial, Chan and Luang denied killing her, but they did not deny dismembering her. So more than likely, I'm gonna guess that the- I'm gonna guess that Chan's lawyer was trying to say that she died of an overdose and that Chan and his buddies just got rid of her. That seems like what they were trying to make happen. That thankfully did not happen, but I'm still mad about it. The thing I love most about this, not only did Fawn's ex-husband and Fawn's aunt testify at her trial, Chan's fucking wife did! That's right, his own fucking wife that just had his newborn baby walked in and said, yeah, he's a piece of shit. Good for you. And after they were convicted by the judge, multiple of the siblings or different family members broke down in court. And I'm talking about the family members of the people who were convicted. Yeah, for Chong, Dick 1, and Dick 2. People were having mental breakdowns and one of their brothers actually slammed the courtroom door as they were leaving, causing damage to the doorframe. Could you imagine pulling that shit in America? Oh my god. I love the judge, though. The judge knew what the fuck was up and gave all three of them life without parole. The judge said, and I quote, Never in Hong Kong in recent years has a court heard of such cruelty, depravity, callousness, brutality, violence, and viciousness. I couldn't have said it better myself. When psychiatric evaluations were done on all three men, they were all determined to have no remorse. What the fuck? Ugh. Sean tried to appeal his case in 2007, but was quickly denied. So to this day, Chan and Lung, the dick one, are still in prison. While Lung Xing Chu, the one with the 14-year-old victim, managed to reduce his life sentence to 18 years. That was in March of 2004. He was released 10 years later in April of 2014. And only eight years later, in 2022, he was arrested and sent to prison for one year. Why? For sexually assaulting a 10-year-old! Can we just stop? Can we- can we not? Is it- like I said before, can I just re-put in that clip? Could we just not date children? Like, is that so much to ask? So because Fawn's skull was one of the only pieces of evidence that they had for this trial- Unfortunately, her family could not receive this part of her remains until 2004 when the case had come to a close. It was then cremated with the rest of her remains the following March on the 26th. The apartment building where this crime took place was demolished in September of 2012, thank God. And I couldn't find anything online that specifically said this, but I remember 2010 to like 2014 being the time that this case really became big on the internet. 
So I'm wondering if it had something to do with that. Maybe too many people were trying to come and visit it, which is so fucked up, by the way. Sometimes I understand going to those certain places, like if you're a ghost hunter or something like that, I guess. But I don't understand people who just want to go and like be there. Like that just seems odd to me. A new complex was built where the old complex sat in 2016, and it now has three Buddha portraits as memorabilia. I don't know enough about Buddha or Buddhists to say why they did that in memorabilia, but I'm going to assume it's a very nice thing. And if you know why, please let me know. And we can have one of those little moments where I come back like four episodes from now and I tell you the the information I learned. And if you were wondering about Fawn's son, who was only a toddler when she was murdered, he was given to his father in full custody and he was given Fawn's necklace that she apparently wore every single day. This necklace had been recovered from the refrigerator inside of the apartment, but thankfully was returned to her family and her son still has it. And of course, with any more, air quote, mainstream true crime case, we have a couple movies that have been made off of this case. I have not seen either of these movies, but one of them is awfully called The Human Pork Chop, and the other one is called There's a Secret in My Soup. Like I said, haven't watched either of them. I have no idea, but from the name, I can tell you I more than likely will not be watching these movies. If you do, please let me know. I would love to hear about it. I just, I, it's interesting to me. Woo! Okay, we did it. Is everybody okay? Does anybody need a drink? Maybe a hug? I can give you a virtual one. Just know that right now my arms are out and I'm acting like I'm hugging you. And if you don't like hugs, then I'm so sorry. You probably did not consent to that, in which I apologize. Anyway, take a deep breath. You got through it. I cannot believe this case happened. Truly one of the more gruesome cases that I have ever read about. And I promise next week it'll be a little more lighthearted. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I love doing this podcast, you guys. It genuinely feels like I'm talking to you one-on-one. Every time I record, it feels like I get to sit down and just have a little tea time with my besties. So thank you so much for following along with me. It truly means the world to me. Please, if you haven't already, go and give me a five-star review wherever you listen to me. It really, really does help me out a lot. And make sure to send me your suggestions for true crime cases on my Instagram. Oh yeah, and if you want to follow any social media for the podcast, or if you just want to follow me personally, you can find all of that in the description of this episode. As always, my name is Audie, and this has been Audie's Oddities. 